This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Who who do you say is your favourite guest contributor? If we just focus it into the championship, who would be your favourite contributors to your shows, Gab? Um, I, I, I love having um, Chris Reeve from Talk Norwich City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well played, mate. Well played, that's, sir. That's, well played. that's the end of this podcast. Um, no. <laughs> Thanks for joining us here at the Blue Monday podcast discussing the town up or down since 2015. I'm Rich Woodward, and this is a championship special with our mate, the host of the EFL debate, Gab Sutton. And joining Gab and I to discuss the state of play in tier two and to revisit our early season one to 24 predictions, it's Seb Brown. But let's start with Gab. Always great to see you on Blue Monday, Gab, and always great to see your content as well. Uh, the man who covers all the pyramid, or at least the EFL pyramids. Um, how's things going? A busy time. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Thanks. Uh, just uh, kind of come out of the uh, the January transfer window where, um, I don't know about you, but deadline day was absolute mayhem. You know, you're trying to keep, keep on top of everything. It's almost, um, yeah, too much almost sometimes. Um, but no, it's been uh, it's been great. Um, a lot of podcasting, um, having a lot of fun with that. Um, and yeah, looking forward to, um, to talking with you about Ipswich and the Championship this evening. Yeah, a little bit more focused for you than normal because you you do spread yourself across all of the EFL clubs. Um, for folk who haven't um, found your content so far yet, um, um, feel free to plug your Twitter or X account and wherever we can find you. But you essentially have got weekly shows covering all three of the EFL leagues, haven't you? And um, mm. and yeah, and get people on, including some some other Ipswich Town podcasters who may or may not be of good quality, but um, they sure. try and supplement what you do. But yeah, you've got you you cover all the EFL clubs, don't you? Yeah, well, I, I um I suppose I lean on people who cover all the EFL clubs. I'd probably be the more accurate way of putting it. So uh, I'm definitely rely. I kind of like to have my sort of surface level view of of clubs and how teams are getting on. But I think there's no substitute for the insight of fans who go every week. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to dip into that really. And and that's why I enjoy about the shows. I, I cover the championship where we get a series of fans on um, every week covering different sort of vicinities of the league table. Um, that's 5.30s on Wednesday. Same thing 
for League One. That's seven o'clock on Wednesdays, and uh, League Two is uh, seven thirty on Thursdays. So uh, yeah, have a lot of fun with it. Got a series of co-hosts as well, um, and so yeah, you can check that out. I've also tweet some while well, while we're at it um tweet some sort of opinion starters on the EFL which you can check out on my account that you can sort of reply with your sort of opinions on um and that's all over at Gabson on Twitter or X um as it's now known. So uh yeah you can follow me on Twitter at Gabson and you can follow the hashtag EFL debate. Probably. And who who do you say is your favourite guest contributor? If we just focus it into the championship, who'd be your favourite contributors to the your shows Gab? Um, I, I, I love having um, Chris Reeve from Talk Norwich City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well played, mate. Well played, that's, sir. That's, well played. that's the end of this podcast. Um, no, uh, no, well, uh, Seb has contributed, obviously, as well. I, I'm a yeah, regular. No, I, I love, both, love having you guys on. Yeah, both so. frequent flyers there. But yeah, Seb, in, in terms of our knowledge, we have to, we have to kind of reset every week and restart when we do the pre-match show, don't we? It's um, Gab's knowledge is pretty encyclopedic, isn't it? Yeah, crazy. I mean, we can barely keep up following Ipswich and playing, you know, 40, whether it's 46 games a season. So hats off to Gab for covering all three divisions with the depth of knowledge that he's got. It is is superb. Yeah, if you're an EFL fan, make sure you check out his uh, his stuff because it is, yeah, like you say, encyclopedia-esque knowledge. Should we talk about Ipswich then? Let's start talking. Let's, let's um, reverse the roles as they're usually um, when, we, when we're together. When it's usually you asking us about Ipswich. Let's ask you about Ipswich. I'll put the the run of games since the East Anglian derby. Given you mentioned our mate Chris Reeve um, at Tottenham Norwich City, since the derby there, Gab only only one win yeah. uh, in the league against Sunderland. A lot of draws and then mm. a couple of de- defeats, including last time out at Preston. Um, are you concerned at all by that, or is it a lot of town fans are looking at the fixtures, the caliber of the opposition, and just saying it's one of those things? And are you expecting things to improve? What's your what's your take on things? Well, do you know what? It's um it's so funny that you mentioned the um the East Anglian Derby because I've got I've got a couple of theories on it, which I'd love to sort of run by you and get either of your sort of takes on. But um the first I sort of wonder about you know the symbolism of drawing with Norwich because the, the derby with um was built up so much because um their fans were incredibly apprehensive about that game and they were absolutely delighted to get a point realistically. And I think it's for Ipswich fans it's almost tinged with um tinged with disappointment at not winning even though you know from from the bits that i watched of, of that game you were yeah comfortably the better team in terms of uh general play and i think it was a couple of moments from johnny ray that got them the point but um from then on i i kind of wonder about the symbolism of it because it was a bit like a victory for norwich and they've sort of almost used that as a um a springboard to actually pick up their form and then for ipswich you've mentioned one win since then which was in mid-december wasn't it um so yeah i, I kind of wonder a little bit about the symbolism the sort of the anti-climax of drawing with norwich and yeah it's so easy and I'm sure a lot more goes into it than than just this sort of basic symbolism but from the outside I'm I'm really curious about that Seb do you want to take that one yeah, I mean, it was anticlimactic. There's, there's no way around that. I think as fans, we all thought this curse since 2009 was finally going to be lifted. Um, and that would be the springboard going into a really difficult run of run of fixtures. I, th- I think as well that the fixture list can't be ignored. You know, the sides that we've played, it was Leeds away, followed by Leicester at home. We lose George Hurst halfway through the first half of the Leicester game, which we know how important, how crucial he is to us. So that has to be factored into as well. And since then, we've just kind of struggled to get ourselves going again. That's 
said, the Sunderland victory on Sky at 5.30 under the lights at Portman was a, was a really impressive performance. And I kind of thought that was going to be the, the kickstart. And then we get the 89th minute equaliser at Leicester. You think, right, here we go. And then Preston happened. Maidstone, obviously the, the game we don't like to, to refer to in the FA Cup happened as well. So yeah, the Norwich thing, I think maybe definitely kicked us a little bit because I think we did our predictions for December and I think pretty much all the Blue Monday team thought that was going to be a victory and a mm. springboard going into Leeds away, Leicester at home, etc. And maybe it has knocked confidence a little bit, but I think the the injury to George Hurst has been absolutely crucial as well. It's no coincidence mm. that you know we've suddenly got Kiefer Moore back. Uh, sorry, got Kiefer Moore in. We've got a, a central kind of physical striking option um, in that number nine role again and suddenly we, we suddenly do look more of a threat as we saw in the second half against Preston at the weekend. Yeah, the the absence of Sam Morsey gab through the, the three games essentially mm. one p- retrospective ban off the um, who, was the away game said was Middles, it Middlesbrough away? Yeah, he said something for the ref didn't he or something? A post-match and then, and then a two-match ban for accumulating 10 yellow cards gab. Mm. I think Seb's right. I I. Th- th- there's so much importance placed on George Hurst. And since the Leicester home game, you know, we've got a great point in that game. We've not lost to Leicester this season, which is a pretty feat that not many teams at this level will do. But I think George Hurst is so important, not, not least because I think he brings the best out in Broad, Broadhead and Chaplin. We've been debating this the last few weeks and Broadhead's form has taken a, a real downturn, you know, ironically since that Norwich game when probably he should have scored at least two, maybe even three goals in that game that wins us it. Um, but he's struggled to contribute because Hurst is doing all of this legwork for him and holding up defenders and holding onto the ball for him. And Chaplin as well. Um, we were talking about uh, on the flagship on Sunday. Um, Chaplin's not been as best of late either so Sarmiento's come yeah. in and made a contribution which is is great but it'd be really fascinating to see how starting with Kiefer Moore might bring out the best in, in our number 10s well I definitely think that you need a, um, a centre forward who can be a bit of a glue for the rest of the team because um, well I think we can see with Caden Jackson up top it's just you know it's not the same as having George Hurst he's got completely different qualities um, and in a way I, th- I think Ali Alhamdi is a great long-term investment for the club, and I do think he can make a reasonable contribution. Um, I don't see him necessarily doing that. Uh, him do- see him doing that starting regularly. I would see it more being from the bench if he want to go two up top at certain points in games. Um, but I think with um, with with other. Of the- Leicester, Southampton and Leeds have come down with parachute payments and they've got huge squads. So when they lose a key player, they've kind of got, you know, other options. I mean, you look at, for example, the strikers Leicester have got, they've got four strikers that, you know, almost anyone else in the league would be happy to have. Um, Ipswich don't have that sort of... um, uh, don't have that sort of luxury. So obviously you lose key players and you're not going to be as good for a spell. Talk to us about... Ali Al-Hamadi then, because I assume you've got great reports, glowing reports from him from AFC Wimbledon fans. Uh, You may have even seen him yourself. Uh, Obviously, in terms of high profile, high potential signings in the January window, I think we're quite unique in spending that amount of money on a high potential player. You haven't seen a huge amount of that type of business. Talk to us. Give us your views on, on that from a neutral perspective, Gab. Well, what I'm really mindful of, um, Rich is uh, his best form for Wimbledon this season has come alongside a striker called Omar Bajil, who uh, is a very selfless, hardworking striker who's pretty good in the air and he's actually really creative as well so he can slot those three balls through uh, and that really frees up Al Hamadi to kind of focus and sort of channel his energy towards doing what he does best and his main qualities are he's quick, he's strong, 
and he's got a you know got a real ruthless streak about him. Now those qualities are really valuable. Um, however, I've not seen him use his strength in the hold up sense um, so much as using it to really run onto. To the book. For example, at a higher level, you'd say Romelu Lukaku is strong, but you wouldn't say he's a hold-up centre-forwards. And I suppose I'd use that sort of um, at a lower level with uh, Al-Hamadi. Um, so I'm really curious to see how he's utilised. Maybe there was part of me that was a little bit surprised but I, I, that, he, that you've brought him in as opposed to maybe prioritising um, the Hurst replacement. But I think having brought more in as well, I think it makes a bit more sense. Uh, and maybe I could see him, you know, if Kieran McKenna wants to go two up top for the odd game, I wouldn't be averse to that or within games possibly, but I don't see him being that, um, that lone striker because he's at his best when he's got someone else alongside him who, who plays that role. Sure. And Seb, you saw you saw his debut against Preston yep. um, and actually on the field at the same time as Keith Moore, which is interesting to Gab's point there. Uh, what was your first impressions? I know we talked about this on the flagship, which you can obviously go back and watch in more detail there. But yeah, what was your impressions? Um, anything that Gab there uh, said there? Sort of chime with your your brief impressions of him at least? Yeah, well, so he came on when Moore was on the pitch and Moore came on at half time. So he was already joining kind of the established striker already out there. He fashioned one chance by himself. He was strong and looked to get a shot off and the, the pressing keeper, Woodman, made a half decent save. But then for the for the second goal, our consolation in the 87th minute, he's right in there. The ball comes in. He's in the right place. Him and Kiefer Moore actually get in the way of each other, don't they, as they both go for the same ball. And I think that's kind of, you know, what, you, what you're going to need. We've lacked bodies. There you go. You can put a bodies tick up on, the, uh, up on the screen. We've lacked bodies in the box at certain times this season. And he looks strong. He looks quick. He looks direct. And I'm not sure, like Gab said, I, I think we'll mainly see him as a, as a substitute role if Kiefer Moore is fit. Having seen the second 45 on Saturday, I'd imagine he's pretty much going to start most games between now and the end of the season because his hold-up play was was immense. But I think Al Hamadi will contribute from the bench at times. He can play slightly wide, I believe. I've, I've, I've not seen any of AFC Wimbledon this season, so I can't comment too much on that. Um, but I guess he'll be the the option if we're, you know, if Kiefer Moore has run himself into the ground and battered defenders for 77 75 minutes, he'll be the option to come off and longer term, presumably he's more of the Caden Jackson replacement because he's similar kind of player in terms, he's stronger than Jackson, but in terms of that pace, he probably offers you something that, that not many else in the squad can do. Yeah, fair enough. You mentioned uh, the strength of Leicester. I th it's we, We've talked about this on, on your show on the EFL debate, how weird... This, this season is in comparison to last season and mm. a lot of these similarities about the kind of dip in form, the drawing matches you should be winning and, and uh, you know, the, the importance, sure. I guess, of the January window. Another probably a decent window, probably not as impactful as last season, but still just as important, I think. And big credit to the club, I think, and Mark Ashton for certainly getting the key for Mordial over the line. What's your impression yeah. of of the trajectory of the the top four now? Are you are you kind of buying like we all did last season that Leicester are the Sheffield Wednesday and they're off into the distance, but maybe they could be caught. I don't know. We always we all thought Plymouth might you know have a bit of a a dual wobble. They might be the Southampton and a Ipswich. The Ipswich. Are we going to have a? We've had our wobble with outside the top two now, and suddenly we're going to go on an amazing run. What's what's your take on things? Um, well, I've, uh, I'd like to put to you guys my sort of second um, surface level theory on Ipswich that I'd love to kind of run, run by you a little bit. I think when Ipswich um, came into the season, I think you had quite a lot of um, 
respect for the league because you were kind of coming into it. And I think that was sort of reflected in the balance that I saw for this team. You know, admittedly, you can see the few goals at home, but I also felt like watching the team, there was a plan for what what you'd do if you lost the ball and everything was so structured and organised. And I look at games like that 3-2 loss at Preston North End, where some of the chances that you gave away, and certainly the goals, it did look like you were wide open in transitions and maybe we can put that partly down to personnel issues and, you know, one or two key players uh, that we've mentioned missing. Um, but I um, I also wonder if there's a little bit of Ipswich, although they're a newly promoted club, have kind of got caught up in, um, I suppose, you know, I want to I want to use the word expectation, I guess, in the sense that... Um, you know, this is an opportunity to try and make history. And the standards, uh, because they've done incredibly well, they are in this automatic promotion race with the standards incredibly high with Leeds and Leicester and Southampton just relentlessly consistent. Um, and I sort of feel like, um, especially in light of some of those draws that you've had recently, which, you know, sort of drop points, it feels like um, it's got to a stage where if we are going to push for the top two, draws aren't really good enough, even though you're still on a perfectly brilliant trajectory for where you are in terms of the bigger picture. But I, I almost wonder if Ipswich need to actually reset and go back to the mentality they had at the start of the season where it, it is a bit more balanced and you do kind of respect the league a bit more and and there is a bit more structure. Because um, I feel like in that Preston game where that was just a one-off, Without complacency, I mean, it's such an easy word to use, but is there an element of that or is there an element of just getting drawn out by the expectations and what having to win every time that actually you've lost a bit of balance? Yeah, it's interesting thought that the, the, there's a there's a mental aspect to that perhaps as well. Certainly, there's lots of different variables at play, but this is now a sustained run of of not winning matches. And I, I, Seb, I don't know about you. I don't know if our patterns of play are drastically different, but maybe the mindset we go into matches is different. Which is, you come into the league and you hope for the best. You then pull off some really, I, I guess, what you would class as upset wins. Really, the Sunderland away win, an example. Southampton away win, another example. Um, uh, and then suddenly when you, you get into the position of, of being the hunted, as it were, mm, we talked about yeah. this mindset before, um, you then maybe take your eye off the ball a little bit against the likes of Preston, the likes of Stoke. I don't know. What's, what's your take on Gab's second theory? Potentially, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's a hard. What we've got to make sure we do is stop conceding goals. We, we cannot keep conceding two goals a game and hope that we have enough firepower to get us out of the mire because, as proven in week, recent weeks, we don't have that. Now, I remember there was a bit of a not criticism aimed at McKenna, but there was a bit of kind of questioning this time last year about did he have a plan B or is plan B just to do plan A slightly better and, you know, hope for different results. And I remember at the time, having signed George Hurst a year ago in the January window of 2023, we did start to go a little bit more direct in the second half of the season at times and I was wondering maybe the sign of Kiefer Moore might lead to the same kind of principles you know we might look to to vary the way we play because he's not going to offer the pressing kind of ness if that's a word pace that the, 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 pay, yeah, the pace, yeah. the athleticism maybe that George Hurst can do leading from the front. His game is much more about creating chaos in the box, strong in the air, holding the ball up, bringing others into play. So will we adapt the way we play to focus on him? I think we probably will a little bit. So that will result in a slight playing style. As I said, they've got to get to grips with this two goals per game. I remember going on your show, Gab, back in, was it October? 
And Ollie was saying to me, you know, they were. I think we were worried then that we were letting in pretty much two goals every single game, and it's now, you know, the start of February, and we're still in the same boat. So that has to be. Has well, to be well fixed. at home, that was definitely the case at home. I'm sure you kept an, a good few clean sheets away from home in the first half of the season. We did, yep. we did, but then we have started to concede on the road now. Three at Preston, four at Leeds. You know, oh, it's starting oh, to catch yeah. up with us a little bit now. So we need to get that ruthless kind of streak back again. But also, I'm wondering now we've dropped down to fourth. And pretty much most of the talk in the media isn't really discussing us anymore. You know, a few pundits are saying that we're destined for fourth at best. It becomes a three-way shootout between the the three relegated sides, the, the, the three parachute payment sides. I just wonder if that kind of taking the emphasis off us now on the social on, on, on media and all the discussions online might just go in our favour a little bit. Let us, you know, the fixture list does get slightly easier after we've got West Brom uh, this coming Saturday at 12.30 on Sky. After that, the next sort of eight, nine games do get pretty reasonable and we can just quietly go about our business maybe adapt the way we do things slightly with 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 uh, Kiefer Moore um, up front in attack and maybe it will well we, we took the mick out of Paul Lambert years ago because he came up with this phrase didn't he saying it's better to be the hunted uh, sorry to be the hunter rather than the hunted after we went from being top of the league to third or whatever that was I his think, most astute moment of management whilst in charge at Ipswich by the way yeah, yeah. I, I just think maybe this time round it might suit us a little bit just to not be on anybody's radar fixture list get slightly easier Kiefer Moore's in the building if they can just work out how to kind of shut up shop at the back like we did last spring when we were on that crazy run of only conceding one goal in 14 games whatever it was we might just give ourselves half a chance to get back into the race while the while the spotlight is very much off us and on those three other clubs it is uh, again we talked about it already the the similarities to last season it is you know we played Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday in the month of January I believe maybe just about February if I'm remember rightly Gab last season and didn't beat either of those two teams and you know we're drawing matches again mm. but i it wouldn't surprise me if we do go on on this kind of run that seb is talking about i think it, the trouble is we'll, and we'll talk more about southampton and leeds in particular in a second you just don't feel like southampton are going to give up too many points but they do have well, to they've got a hard running haven't they? They portman road yeah. um whatever leicester's ground is sponsored now and um West Brom as uh, well, I think. Mary's, uh, and Ellen Road on the well, last maybe, day. Maybe West Brom as well. Mm. So they've they've got four really tri- tricky away days away days coming. So they, they're probably going to drop some points in those. So there might be a little bit of hope for you Will to gain some Yeah, let's just remind ourselves of the games after. So we've got West Brom Saturday. That'll be tough. It's it's the twelve thirty game, and I hate the twelve thirty game. Twelve thirty <laughs> games can, along with Southampton, they can piss off. We we don't know. I, I don't have to censor my language, so I'm I'm on here on Blue Monday. We can say piss off Southampton in the nicest possible way. Um, but yeah, you've kind of uh, taken the edge off it now. You've said in the nicest possible way. I, yeah, that's sarcastic. I don't, I don't. It's like yeah. It's it's when you say when you add a button to the middle of the sentence that kind of undoes everything. It's like I mean it in the nicest possible way, but piss off Southampton. But yeah, <laughs> you've got Millwall away. You know, a little bit tricky. Swansea haven't really got themselves to, together. Two away games in a row and then look at that um you, you, we couldn't want an easier pair of fixtures there could we rather at home and then birmingham under tony oh, Mowbray. i'm only joking gav only joking moggers made birmingham a t- completely different proposition hasn't he um since he came in. plymouth away plymouth will they have much to play for obviously you're really good at home bristol mm. city in their cardiff away shipper wednesday there's a there's i would describe them as hashtag winnable but yeah given our current form you're not on a go too big on us at this stage are you need yeah, to see a little bit remind of- me what the personnel state of play is going to look like over the next couple of months 
I think we're at full strength. Full strength. Okay. Apart from strength. George Hurst. Apart from George Hurst is out till I think if we see him, it will be you're talking probably mid-April onwards from the sounds of it. Yeah. It sounds like he's pretty much done for the season. But apart from that, we're at okay. complete full strength. The, the the only couple of injuries are kind of squad players who haven't featured at all in Janoi Donati. So, so really the only question is whether Kiefer Moore can, well, the striker position, whether Kiefer Moore can be, can do enough against the ball and can sort of replace some of the qualities that you had with George Hurst or yeah. whether you can find a different way of going about things like you've alluded to Seb mm. and the, the other thing as well it's, it's maybe clutching at straws a little bit um, Cameron Burgess has been at the Asia Cup um, he when he hasn't been in the team Seb correct me if I'm wrong wasn't it the, in Leeds game away was he so he was no, he didn't play, yeah, he didn't Edmondson play had a bit of a shocker, didn't he, at, um, at Deepdale as well. He's so lucky, isn't he? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, the the second goal is offside. It's an, he scores the own goal, but it's offside. It's it's two yards offside. The liner makes a bit of a howler, so he's not really at fault for that one. He does quite well to get back, but then he does end up putting it in the back of his net. Yeah, so I think it was hard. He's been he's been really you're good a very lenient been, man, Seb. Fair. <laughs> he's been really good since he came in. He's he's been excellent. To be fair, I just we discussed this on the flagship show, me, Craig, and Mikey on on Sunday night, and I think unanimously we all agreed that. Cameron Burgess will probably come back in because he's bigger, he's stronger, he's better in the air. West Brom on Saturday is going to be a physical game, so he's probably going to be needed for that one. Um, and I think he'll come back in. But I like Edmondson. I, th- I think he's done well. Um, I think he was just unlucky on the weekend. And he's Do you know what, the other, um, sorry, just to jump in on this, the other area I'm a little bit worried about, uh, I don't think on deadline day you got yourself another fullback, did you? Because you, no, you linked with we, Marvin Johnson, but that... We didn't, but Brandon Williams is coming back from United in about a week's time now. I think McKenna okay. said 10, 10 to 14 days at the end of the window. So his return is imminent and he'll provide both the right and left back cover and Harry oh. Clark can shift over. Well, well that's, so. that's a big plus, isn't it? Because yeah. I, I, um, I, you know, I really like Brandon Williams. I know he's had his, um, his troubles, but um, I think he's really really good on either like you mentioned really good on either side I was at the Chef Wednesday game in September he came on for Leif Davis when he got injured it was just absolutely flying run down the left flank and put the cross in for the winner so uh, I think to have that's going to make a real difference in terms of keeping yeah. things fresh so uh, so that's a real plus for sure should we talk about our predictions from the summer then uh, when when none of us expected it to be in the top two um, we all had we all were in synchronicity on going for ninth place apologies if those are watching on youtube it's quite small you can drag it and zoom it in but we'll talk through it for those listening on podcast rich um we talked about this off air you've done absolutely brilliantly i think for me i've got about nine that I'll be happy with. I, um, I think you've got about fifteen that are very, very either on exactly on point or, but excuse me, or very very close. So um, yeah, well done, mate. It's very rare I get compliments on the pod. So oh, lovely, that, lovely, yeah, friends, friends, there he is, friends, friends, friends. Moving on, Seb. I'm covering your face with the league tables. Uh, we went. <laughs> we all got Leicester spot on. I think, um, and then also all of us have kind of. Sunderland and Middlesbrough in the north in the northeast here, yeah. didn't we? And it's not it's worked not been, out at all, has it? It's not been well placed. I mean, these the, the Borough and Sunderland are, are kind of there or thereabouts, just outside, aren't they? Maybe Borough not doing as well as Seb and I expected. Mm. Um, do, you, do you expect them to? We've got a question from Chris in our sure. in the Telegram group about um, dark horses possibly for a playoff spot, and maybe going up with Sunderland and Middlesbrough. Gab, any any positive thoughts on those? I think. Um, do you know what? I think they've both got some talent in their side, but neither of them have really been efficient enough. I think from Sunderland's point of view, um, Mick Bill coming in hasn't been 
brilliantly received by the supporters. So I think he's got to uh, sort of, um, yeah, win over a few people there. And then I look at Middlesbrough and I think, again, they've got, um, I think, a lot of talent. I think they've got a lot of players who could open teams up. But I feel like as an, in terms of efficiency, there, there's just something missing for me for Middlesbrough, um, probably at both ends of the pitch. And um, yeah, probably partly down to, to injuries in certain areas, partly down to losing the likes of Archer and Akpom from, from last season and Giles you'd put in there as well. But yeah, I think they've got a lot of, um, they've got players who can set pulses racing, but they're not as productive and efficient as, as I'd like them to be. And that's probably probably why they're 11th rather than in the playoffs, which is where they were last season. Yeah, we, we were both expecting, I think, through Operation Seb for Borough to spend the Apple money, which hasn't been spent, has it? And then they, and you could argue that both Sunderland and Borough have had not the greatest of transfer windows with Borough letting one of their brightest prospects go. And Sunderland not getting the striker that their fans were chanting for at Portman Road. Would you, are, you, are you expecting them to rally or are you expecting... Well, Middle, Middlesbrough, when we did the preview show back in December, they had an awful injury list, didn't they? I think it was mm. it 11, 12 players were out injured. So I've, as well. Yeah, yeah, I've got no idea regards to their, 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 their kind of squad fitness levels. If players start to come back, they could well make a push for uh, for sixth or, or, or fifth. May or, no, sixth is realistic what they're going to be playing for now. If they can get the squad fit, Sunderland not signing a striker is going to hurt them, isn't it? They were linked mm. with Kiefer Moore like we were to not get anybody in uh he's a bit of a problem you know we, they came to portman road a month ago now fans were chanting give us a striker we want a striker they've got is it russian who they bought in the summer mm-hmm. who kind of fig- features off the bench they played a false nine at portman road with bellingham and pritchard and bar kind of fit- fitting in that role didn't really work so mm-hmm. i think over time especially if the relationship isn't repaired between some of the between mick bill and the fans i could see them kind of dropping off it in middlesbrough if their if their squad starts to get back to to full fitness could well be the ones to push for six Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Do you think... Mick Bill's got a chance of success at Sunderland. It, from the outside, Gab, it doesn't look mm. like a good fit, does it? 
Um, well, I was one of the ones when he first came in that thought, hang on, he's, he's had a glittering coaching career. He's worked at, you know, Chelsea and Liverpool and uh, he's worked in Brazil alongside Rogerio Cini. And um, yeah, the career that he's had has been quite something. And even if you were to look on paper at some of the work that he did at QPR and uh, Rangers, who are clubs that don't have a great structure, um, it was actually pretty com pretty competitive results on the on paper. Um, and so I kind of wondered if you put the same coaching ability along into a different structure where the manager takes less responsibility for the recruitment, it could work out. Um, but I, there's part of me that's wondering actually maybe what some of the things that the Rangers fans were saying yeah, might have been right. And uh, he seems to be sort of, um, yeah, rubbing people up the wrong way a little bit at the moment. Yeah, and we, we mentioned your 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 club, Gab. Um, mm. Tony Mowbray going there and, and Alex Pritchard kind of agitating for a move himself to join him. Do you think they might regret letting Mogga go? Um, yeah, possibly. Um, I think he's... Um, He's certainly the manager that w that we need now because he's someone who can just. We've had such chaotic see going from the high to the low. We just need someone who's just a really reliable championship manager, and I think he's he's better at probably developing players than um, uh, as well because he's um, he, he 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 is very good at that. He did that really well, I think, at Blackburn and at Sunderland, wow. um, yeah. and um, and he's just also he's just such a likable person mm. as well. And I know that that's not everything. Like you can be a really likable person and manager and, and not and not be a great manager. But it just it does sort of it takes the temperature out of certain situations if you've got a manager who uh, sports can identify with and they feel like yeah I like him I'd like to go for a pint with him it's not it's not everything but it definitely counts for something I think and we've got a lot of love for Mogga down here as well don't we Seb mm. a lot of time absolutely. for Mogga yeah. yeah absolute legend obviously like you say I think it's a really sensible appointment for for Birmingham I was quite surprised they fired Rooney so quickly you know having spent big money to well not big money to bring him in but you know i mean to the, the big fanfare that came with him i thought they'd give him the window to try and you know build a squad in his own image play this was it no fear football they said rock and roll football or something was it when he was appointed i thought yeah, they would back football, him yeah. so, so i was surprised when they made the change but that's a really really sensible decision mowbray's obviously a legend for us mm. ipswich fans he'll get you stable he'll develop young players he'll play decent attacking football and he normally ends up leaving clubs in better positions than when he went in doesn't he? yeah 100%. yeah you can say and they'll go again in the summer as well. And, you know, <laughs> it might be back just outside that top six again. Let's look more about any kind of outliers there. Gab, you were big on, on Mike Duff. Hence your was, sponsor yeah. prediction. But... but do you know what? Um, I think um, it's one of those things where, you know, hindsight's wonderful thing um i think maybe on reflection the fit wasn't great for swansea because as a club historically they do pride themselves on um smooth possession based football and although michael duff is far from a long ball merchant i don't think you'd um i think he likes his side to be able to mix their game up and sometimes play a bit more more direct and um it's not what they've been used to under Russ martin and i think that's kind of that and also do you know what? Michael Duff as well is a very sort of brisk um, character. And I think when he's managed um, clubs where the fan base kind of know what he's about and know that he's an honest guy with the right intentions, he's actually really pop. So, you know, at Cheltenham, he's a club legend there. And Barnsley it tends to be a town that, you know, values um, you know people like him. Um, but then I think when he goes to Swansea, the fact that he doesn't, 
uh, show his emotions much. And I think that kind of rubbed people up a long way. So, yeah, the fit wasn't quite right for him. I thought that his managerial ability would kind of overpower that. But that's not proven to be the case. He really struggled. And, yes, Swansea having to rebuild again. Yeah, well, you're, Luke Williams, someone that you've got a lot of respect for, done a great mm. job at Notts County, you know, against the odds, I guess. You know, yeah. Not against the odds, but um, unfortunately, the, the National League and the one team that goes up and it's Wrexham, you know, at the wrong time, isn't it, kind of thing, but did well in the playoffs and, and have stabilised the league too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think he's probably more of a tactical idealist than maybe Michael Duff was, and probably his, um, you know, philosophy if you like uh, is more lined up with um uh you know what Swansea fans want so probably the fit might be a little bit better with that uh so we'll see how he gets on I know he's always been a really highly rated coach throughout his career so looking forward to seeing uh, what he can do and um but yeah I think he'll be sort of low mid-table for Swansea we um will point out the good We'll, put, we'll point out the improvement errors, but we'll also give you enough praise, Gab, for um, the only one of us who gave mm. any credit to Liam Racina at, at Hull, who's had oh, a really you, great... You two had eight at the main 18th, not enough. Yeah, go on, go for us. There. Go for us, yeah. I, I, it was difficult to know how to call it, wasn't it, Seb, on, on Hull, but... Yeah, very much so. Really well. Yeah, and I, I didn't anticipate this January splurge of money either. I think if you if we'd have sat here back in when was it July we did this originally, and you said Fabio Carvalho will cancel the was it RB Leipzig he just moved to from Liverpool that loan will get cancelled and he'll end up at, um, at Hull when you do this again in February. I think we'd all have been shocked, but yeah, fair play. We got that completely wrong. We had them not. I didn't think we didn't they go down, but certainly lower lower third of the table. But you had them pipped for for the playoffs, didn't you? Yeah, um, I think for me, I could tell the progress they were making under Liam Rosinia because although they finished 15th last season, it was, um, I think it was top 10 form from when Rosinia took charge. And they, I think they lost 6 in 28 under him last season. And that was playing without a centre forward for, for much of that time. So they drew a few games that they might have won with a centre forward. And then they added a little bit of quality in the summer. So it was like, you know, you could easily look at it and say they finished 15th last season, unproven manager. Um, but I like to think I sort of saw the, the, the trend going upwards. And uh, I think the ownership is quite a big thing as well. They've got ambitious owners and there seems to be a really good... Um, we've talked about fit and maybe at certain clubs, certain managers who have may have done really well in different scenarios that haven't quite worked. I think the fact Liam Rosinia has got this sort of family history with Hull and the fact that he's so embraced the club and he's he was a player there, I know it's not everything, but when you put that alongside quality coaching, alongside a style that fans are happy with, um, alongside a really good culture within the club, all those sort of things do add up. And I think that's what we're seeing at the moment. Yeah, some great young recruitment of young players as well. So, yeah, a lot of respect for um, what Holler are doing there and Rossini particularly. Um, in, in terms of other bits and pieces, I think there's general, uh, you know, there's a lot of much of a muchness there. And in terms of the bottom three or four, I think um, you weren't particularly hot on Preston, but um, they are actually, until they beat us, one of the teams struggling for form in the league. Mm. Um, but otherwise, I think a lot of consistency around Huddersfield. Seb thought the Warnock effect might yeah, take it might. In my defence, yeah, they had Neil Warnock still at this point, so I thought he would he would get them. So if I went for Cardiff to go down, I thought they were pretty much nailed mm. on. You guys both had them surviving, didn't you? I thought they would go down, but started the season well. I know they've dropped off recently, but they'll be fairly comfortably mid-table now. That was my outlier. QPR and Rotherham were my other two to go down, which I think is pretty much consistent with what you guys put as well, wasn't it? 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the relegation spots, it do, it does feel like someone needs to go on a bit of a run. Maybe Huddersfield getting that four 0 win against Wednesday last time out might might kickstart something for them. Um, but what we're gonna do, we, I've, we've uh, we've reflected on the season so far and the transfer window, and I've given each of us three swaps, so we're allowed to move a couple of teams around three um, three each. Um, to see if we can finesse our predictions and make the table look a little bit more akin to what we're seeing at the moment or where we think that will be. It's not going to be perfect because of that. Um, and so here's what we've got. Um, Gab, do you want to go first with your changes? It's a bit small, but you've promoted Ipswich to automatic spot from ninth, I think by virtue of the fact that you can't really do any jiggery-pokery anywhere else. But you swapped us with Sunderland there, haven't you? Yeah, I, I, I don't, well, Sunderland, um, do you know, I had this theory that Sunderland, you know, with his young squad, and they got into the playoffs last season, and, yeah, maybe a bit more luck with injury, I, I, I had it all worked out, I thought they were going to be in the autos this season, that that hasn't quite uh, panned out, and I actually thought Ipswich might need a year to sort of, uh, you know, maybe find their bearings, and, you know, top 10 would have been a great season, um, so, um, yeah, I'd swap those, and then if you can just get the table up again, just to drop my memory yeah so there's a um, southampton switch is it with borough i think with middlesbrough yeah that's correct yeah uh, and then swansea and west brom i think i underestimated the Corbran effect at mm. west brom so that's really made a difference for them and, and they're such a well coached side so yeah west brom i think finishing the playoffs with hull and then um yeah middlesbrough i think will miss out and obviously southampton will be in the top six somewhere or other i mean this is this is an imperfect exercise because we've we've got some weird rules and stuff like that but presumably your top six actually in reality isn't too dissimilar to that probably southampton and ipswich swapping places maybe if we're being harsh Uh, you can be honest it's okay Yes, possibly. Yeah, um, do you know, it's because it's, I, I do think Southampton um, defensively they are going to be stretched by some of those really tough away games. So I'm not all in on Southampton yet. And then Leeds are a side that I, I really like. Um, you know, in terms of uh, the attacking options that they've got. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. But yeah, I think I probably would go with Leicester and Southampton as my top two. If you ask me, right here. Do are we seven danger of? of not giving Leeds enough credit of obviously winning their, they seem to play games of in advance of everyone. I don't know if that's good or a bad thing or not. Farker, obviously a, an expert of getting teams out of division, that home crowd when it's with them, it's pretty formidable as we know. Um, have you got a, you know, a, is there a chance that Leeds gate crashed top two for you? Well, there's always, I, I swapped them into the, the top two because of the rules that we had, because otherwise I had to put um, Middlesbrough and Southampton, I had to have Middlesbrough in the playoffs, which I don't think will happen. So Leicester for me, a dead search for the title. I think if you push me, Southampton probably will finish second, but I've gone for Leeds because the formula we had. I guess the thing with Leeds is they're always capable of throwing in a random result, aren't mm. they? That's the that's the thing about them. You know, We've seen this ridiculous consistency now from Southampton. Is it 21 games unbeaten? So far, they're just absolutely relentless. And Leeds mm. will win five on the bounce and you suddenly think, right, here they go. They're going to uh, they're going to go on a real re- tear it up now and then they'll go and lose at home, uh, away to Preston or they'll you know go away to Stoke for example and get beaten so I guess it's that that thought that they are capable of those weird random championship bonkers results which kind of makes you think they might have to settle for the playoffs given how incredibly relentless and incredibly consistent Southampton have been for the last what is it four months now 
it's worth noting at the time of recording that Leeds still haven't managed to break the deadlock away at Plymouth in their cup replay. That's not a game that I'm sure anyone wanted. Um, certainly uh, Daniel Farker. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that one. But yeah, you're right. I think there is always a little bit of a, a blow up that might happen with Leeds, which you don't I sense. Could, uh, they'll probably stay unbeaten at, at Ellen Road. They've not lost there all season. I can see that yeah. easily, but you wouldn't be surprised if there are a couple of games on the road, real strange ones. You know, mm. they might go to uh, 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 St. Andrews if they haven't been there yet this season, for example, and you could see them dropping points pretty much out of the blue. They can be a bit of a coupon buster sometimes. Well, like us, they lost to Preston, didn't they? Um, they mm. drew at Rotherham like us as lost, well. Lost away yeah. to Stoke, didn't they? When mm. Alex Neal was on a really bad run of form, I think, if I remember rightly. So, yeah, they could just throw these random results in, which might well cost them come the end of the season in a, going into a playoff campaign but I'd rather they go up if we're in the playoffs I, I don't want Leeds at Wembley that would be horrible with Leeds that if you if you were to look at their first 11 you'd say there's six or seven positions where they've got you know a brilliant player that you know that they'd be really happy and you know would be one of the best players in the league in that position but then there's also yeah, four or five areas so that where you'd kind of ask a question as to how some of the you know how that player that they've got might stack up to um you know the best in the league and uh, you know maybe that's a factor behind Seb's point that sometimes they do uh, drop the um uh, drop points because the the sort of the weakest areas sort of ho- hold them back a little bit where when they look at their best you've got Jorginho Ruta who's been absolutely fantastic they've got yeah Nonto who's been amazing recently hasn't even been getting into their best into their 11 because you've had Crescentio Shunt Somerville, you've had Dan James, you've had, yeah Bamford hasn't even been starting much they've had Joel Pirro so you know um I think at their best they are outstanding but I, you know, I also feel like they they're a little bit short in certain areas, and maybe that holds them back in terms of the, you know, the odd one-off result. Yeah, fullback area isn't the best, is it? Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, seventeen-year-old at right back. Yeah, and any any further thoughts on your switches there? You've you've nudged us into the like I have said, you've nudged Ipswich into the into the top six there from ninth with Sunderland, not particularly. A, difficult one you've you've then um boarded the gab hull train I have, yes. six months a bit too late but you've you, nevertheless you've gone for hull in i think six. i predicted what yeah i think i had watford in sixth at the start of the season i thought you know under ishmael they might they might do okay but i've swapped them out because they're they're falling away and i guess west brom was was one that weren't really on any of our radars at the time where we were mm-hmm. in the original table i think mm-hmm. gab had them 15th there's takeover them, issues wasn't there i think 11th, yeah yeah I, I i kind of thought they'd be closer to the playoffs uh um, given the manager, given Carlos Corberan. Um, so I think they will finish fifth. And I think it's then a shootout for, for sixth between the likes of Hull, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, you know, those sides that are in and around it, I Gov- guess. Coventry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's let's um, finish off with a few questions then. I, I've made similar choices to you guys. Um, uh, and folk can, um, let's put the right one up there. Yeah, see that there. So I've I've nudged Hull up. I've nudged Borough up. I've uh, Sorry, I've switched Borough and Southampton and, and Ipswich as well and Sunderland. So yeah, very similar to Seb's actually. Um, but in terms of, let's put the actual league table up on the screen there um, so we can focus our attention. Chris asks from our Telegram group, assuming the current top four will at least be in the playoffs, which other teams do you think will feature and who could be the dark horses there? Any any names dropping out, um, dropping in? Mine there for you, Gab and Seb. I actually, uh, if I, I'll come in on this, uh, I actually think the top six will stay as it is, um, because obviously the, the the current top four are non-negotiable in terms of uh, top six, and then you go to West Brom, who I think have got 
um, second best manager in the league. I'll say second best because I'm on it. Switch podcast. Um, <laughs> and then you've got Hull, who I'm really big on, and I'm very confident that they're going to get into the top six. Um, I don't think Coventry have got as much quality as they've got as they had last year. I don't think Sunderland have got as much unity as they had last year. Um, I think Norwich have still got some question marks on, although since Josh Sargent returned for them, they've been a bit better. Preston, I don't think, are good enough for the top six. Watford, I think, are too inconsistent. Middlesbrough don't have the efficiency. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty set on, although, you know, in terms of on paper, you would think, um, you know, only four points between sixth and twelfth. So maybe I am being a bit too bullish on this. But, yeah, I'm, I, I do feel like the top six is going to stay as it is. Do you see any dark horses or any kind of Ian Dowie, Crystal Palace-esque crazy runs, Seb, from anyone? You, know what? you might be a bit before my time in terms of Ian Dowie crazy runs. I can't think you of anyone the... else who's gone on. So, I mean, I could say oh, Kieran, Mc... Kieran McKenna's Ipswich in League One last season. Is, is I played Blackpool in 2009-10, um, didn't they? They put together a run, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, but yeah. anyone doing anything ridiculous outlandish Seb to get in the top six for you it's, or is it it's bunching up isn't it it's getting closer I th- I'd say Middlesbrough what are they 12th but they're only themselves four or five points off it aren't they so although they're kind of six places below the positions they're nowhere they're, they're, they're really close to it in points so I don't think anybody I can't see anybody from the bottom half of the table going on a crazy run getting in there Middlesbrough if they get their players back might threaten both Coventry and Hull I think it'd be one of those three for me for, for sixth place I think Sunderland will drop away without the, without striker Preston have been in awful form We like we discussed most of their stats are kind of bottom relegation zone kind of stats for shooting possession passing that kind of stuff so that tends to catch up with you Norwich are only one bad result away from the 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 the, the I was going to insult them. The locals getting restless and getting back on uh, on Wagner's back. So I think out of all those lot in the bottom, but that the bottom kind of third after the playoffs, maybe Middlesbrough. But I expect it to be either Hull or Coventry. Uh, another couple of questions, Gab, before we say goodbye. Over um, Nick asks: Over half the EFL clubs have changed manager since the start of the season. It's a, probably a normal occurrence these days. Which appointments have caught your eye, and why? Um, he calls out. Joe Edwards at Millwall, but any other names? We may want to talk about Joe Edwards, but um, yeah, thoughts on that one? Um, in terms of, um, excuse me, in terms of recent appointments this season, a uh, familiar, familiar name for Ipswich fans would be um, uh, Paul Hurst, who's gone to uh, Shrewsbury, um, and that was... Way around. Obviously, the the club that um, that he got into the League One playoffs and onto an automatic promotion race a few years ago, which actually earned him the Ipswich job, and um, that could be quite a nice fit for him. Um, tell you what, uh, Daryl Clark as well has actually done a really good job at Cheltenham because um, when he first uh, came in, they hadn't scored a goal in their first thirteen that games in the competition. We were talking about that on our podcast, and we and that was they were League One, weren't they? Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that, well, no Cheltenham player, so that they, they, there was an own, own goal in an <laughs> EFL trophy defeat. So that was their only goal in the first 13 games, which is quite remarkable. I don't know what the record is for that. Um, so actually for Cheltenham to still have a glimmer of hope of staying up, I think is, uh, yeah, speaks to the job that he's done, definitely. Yep. Uh, Just quickly, can I jump in? Do you think Steve Cotterell going into Forest Green is a decent appointment given where they were in the the, the kind of the two managers have had so far this season with Ferguson and Troy Deeney? Do you think he can mm. possibly rescue them or too far gone? Possibly. I think it's a big jump for them. But one thing that stood out for me in uh, in League Two is there's lots of um, 
high-profile managers that have dropped into the bottom half of, of League Two. So you've got Grant McCann, who's at Doncaster. Um, you've got Danny Cowley, who's at Colchester. You've got David Artell, who's at Grimsby. You've got Carl Robinson, who's at Salford. Um, even Nigel Adkins, who you might be familiar with, Tranmere Rovers manager. So it feels like there's lots of experienced managers in the bottom half of League Two, and some of them are mid-season appointments. And I think it's because you've got coaches like Kieran McKenna, who are kind of, because um, they're doing so well as a first-time manager, more clubs are being tempted to go down that route. So actually good managers are getting almost pushed down the um, the pyramid a little bit. Yeah, or up to Aberdeen, maybe. Yeah, um, <laughs> the Cow- yeah, a brother-in-law call you fan, as you know, Gab. I'm very big fan of the Cowleys. And the great thing about the Cowleys that you get is, you know, you obviously get 100% effort on the pitch. You also get a bit of... Uh, investment in time in the community don't you and trying to galvanize mm. that and you know the ownership there hasn't been necessarily been popular or universally mm. popular and liked at college well do you know what rich he was actually i'm sure he was linked a couple of times with the ipswich job when you had the various um, times yeah it was after got, lambert when lambert left it was yeah. i think it was pretty much was the Cowley or cook, and wasn't Paul it? cook yeah mm. and we were all kind of debating which one we'd we'd, we'd rather see so that was their their kind of big moment to get the job so we went down the paul cook route didn't work out and they went to portsmouth instead i think in the same same summer wasn't it they went to portsmouth I think I wanted Cowley, but hey, ho, I want to yeah. cook. So yeah, there you go. Uh, never mind. Can't always be right. Captain hindsight over here. And uh, finally, Dave asked when we kind of talked about this already, Gab, um, but we've got our eyes on the next transfer window already. Uh, Dave says, uh, we just signed a player from league two beating other championship clubs and maybe a premier league club to a signature. Who do you think may be the next low league player to make such a jump up the ladder? Have you got any names in mind there? Um, give me a well. We've seen Adam Mayer, uh, Morecambe has learned to move to uh, to Millwall, so I think that shows um, he's a really exciting prospect. Um, and Conor O'Rourden, who's a crew, has gone to Blackburn, um, so they would be they would be other examples of players that have um, gone through. Ah, Boson Lowell's having a great season at Fleetwood on loan from Celtic. He's recently been moved into midfield since Charlie Adam came in, and he was absolutely brilliant when they beat Port Vale three 0 on Saturday. So he's at Celtic at the moment, but. Whether he'll have some interest or could be one to watch in future at Celtic, maybe. Uh, Boston Loire is definitely a name to keep an eye on. There you go. And a name that I can't wait to hear Seb pronounce on the podcast. Um, Before we say goodbye to Gab, a few bits and pieces to mention here at Blue Monday. Uh, We're back live for the pre-match show Thursday, 8pm. Seb and I talking uh, West Brom. And as always, the flagship show Sunday night, uh, talking after the fact about West Brom, uh, Sunday, 8pm with uh, Ben back in the host chair with Dave and Joe. We've got our NordVPN promo at the moment as well. Check the link in the description, either on podcast or YouTube, and get yourself a discount and support us in the process. And as always, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Um, and also, uh, you may have noticed that we're not sponsored on this podcast, apart from that NordVPN affiliation. If you want to, um, if you've a uh, local or independent business uh, and want to slap your logo on Blue Monday content in the midweek, uh, give us a shout at Blue Monday ITFC on Twitter or Blue Monday ITFC at gmail.com. Let us know. Very happy to support local businesses and um, uh, hopefully, um, yeah, lots of people watching this stuff and uh, might give a platform to your your local business, whatever you're doing. So give us a shout there. We mentioned West Brom. Uh, let's talk about that before we go. Seb, are your feelings going into that one? 
Well, they don't travel well, do they? They're not a side that's that's great away from the Hawthorns. I think they're, we'll discuss it in more detail on Thursday night, but I think their away form is pretty much a pointed game. It's nothing to write home about. Very strong at home, as we found out in the back end of November where we didn't lay a glove on them. You know, they scored goals at crucial times, an early set piece, was it five minutes in? And then one a minute after half time or so that absolutely killed the game. So I think it'll be a physical battle. Uh, I'm looking forward to it as a, as a spectacle. Like you, I'm not keen on the 12.30 games. It seems to be hard to get the atmosphere going and all that kind of stuff um, but we shall see after that the fixture list does ease slightly I, I think we'll win it because they don't travel well away from home and obviously we've now got big Kiefer in the uh, in the building to go in our favour Gab you've got no skin in the game apart from maybe a bit of dislike of West Brom because of your affiliation to uh, Birmingham um, you're, no, you're but we're, 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 we've got quite a you friendly you don't all love each other no yes. I thought you all hate each other do you not no no not really I think because um uh, Villa are probably West Brom's biggest rivals, and they certainly are biggest rivals. Everyone hates Villa, yeah. So it's like we the all enemy kind of, of my um, enemy is my friend. It's a little bit like you know how all the Yorkshire, so pretty much all the Yorkshire clubs hate Sheffield Wednesday and hate Leeds because they're the two biggest clubs in Yorkshire. I think it's kind of a similar thing in the West Midlands, where Villa right. are yeah by far the biggest club, and we all kind of gang up on them. So that kind of dilutes any rivalry that we've got with uh, with. With other clubs, although Wolves we're not we're not keen on, so so even more reason to give a neutral perspective. Then, um, sure. what's your what's your expectations of this one? Um, oh, good question. I'm I'm probably going to go with uh, with Ipswich to uh, to get back on the road and um, and get back to a victory. Now you now you're at full strength. I'm I'm kind of hopeful for you to to get that win. I'm going to go with it. It'd be good to turn the corner. Gab, thank you so much for your time. Seb, as well, thank you for uh, getting involved as well. Uh, Maybe we'll come back and we probably won't uh, check back on our predictions, but I'm sure we'll do this again next season. And in the meantime, at Gab Sutton, I think it is on Twitter slash X, EFL debate every week. um, And you paused at just the wrong time there. Um, Perfect, you're back. Um, But yeah, thank you, Gab. And um, anything else you want to shout out before before we say goodbye? Uh, That's pretty much it. Um, Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Gabson and um, follow the hashtag EFL debate for lots of EFL content. So get involved. Fantastic stuff. Seb, I'll see you Thursday. Um, Everyone else, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you soon. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.